Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and guests. Welcome to the NZ Tech Podcast. This is episode number 84, I think we're up to, guys. Uh, this is Paul Spain. Uh, Nate Dunn. John Lai. John. Yes. Tell us about your uh, your shoes, just before we get into <laughs> all the other topics. We've, we've got to start with this. Uh, okay. This is some cool technology right here. Well, maybe give, give listeners a, 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 a bit, bit of, of context. A, a bit of context as why we start off just talking about John's random shoes. So, basically, these are no... Not just any other shoes. They are the Marty McFly's Nike Air Mags. If you don't know them, you can go do a Google search and they you can easily see an article about on them on Gizmodo. So they are they are pretty tech savvy. So which you know, if you if to those who kinda follow Back to the Future will know what those shoes are. You know, you put it in automatic straps, you know, for any nerd or any geek like myself. You know, you go crazy. So when I saw that, and then they made only I think six hundred available, I had to buy one, and that cost me about six thousand dollars, which I don't know how I'm going to get that back. But <laughs> um, hopefully, this will become a real good, real good investment. Crossing fingers. But yes, it, I'll I'll hopefully get a chance to bring it in in the next time whenever I do come back. Excellent. And yeah, so yeah. We'll, uh, we'll do that. We'll so uh, do, do they actually auto... So just like in the movie, they actually tighten up and strap themselves? Yes. So, so they've got batteries in them? Yes. And they have lights as well. Wow. Yeah. That's some cool technology. Very cool. Right here on the NZT Podcast. And where all the cool geeky, ticky, fun stuff happens. See? Who said guys can't buy shoes, right? <laughs> Brilliant. So, um, John, now it's been a while since, uh, since you've been on the podcast. We've been... Oh, probably what a couple of months? Yeah, a couple of months. And then you went on a uh, on a world trip, <laughs> covering covering events. Yeah. Now um, this week is a big week for you. Yes. Um, T- tell us uh, tell us what what is happening in the world that um, <coughs> listeners might be uh, might be interested that you along with um, well with your social media NZ hat on and uh, and a couple of other partners are, um, have put together. Yeah, um, I think the last time I, when I was on here, you know, we had a quick little yarn about uh, Project Revolution, which is basically a digital conference that uh, ourselves at uh, Social Media NZ and also um, AUT and also US Embassy uh, decided to put on. And then now we are basically, as I'm talking to you, you know, we are two days out from the event. So it's pretty exciting and kind of nerve-wracking at the same time. But it's all fun. It's all fun. But But yeah, that's... That's just around the corner, you know, we've got all the speakers packed down and then we're just at the stage where we're getting things, all the uh, collaterals and all that things done Excellent. For, for Thursdays. So it's crazy craziness. Great. So it's all about, uh, the, the, the conference is going to be about social media, yeah, uh, so digital and... So without kind of, you know, kind of making people roll their eyes when we <laughs> when they talk <laughs> about social media, I think... How I'm taking a, uh, an approach to this event is basically, um, you know, we're looking at the more the bigger digital ecosystem and looking at how it impacts everything that is within it, whether it's social media and you know whether it's social media is part of it or technology is it's just how the digital space impact us personally and professionally. Cool. And so that's kind of looking at, and then we have three sort of streams. So you got your conceptual inspirational and um and what's 
And, and the other one. And the other one. <laughs> I can't <laughs> believe it. Yep, that's how my brain's been fried. No, you get that when you're this close to an event and you've been working day and night, so uh, un- understand it. Yeah. Uh, no problem. Well, what we'll do is we'll put a link up to the site so people yep. can go and uh, go and have a look yep. and uh, check out the speaker lineup, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And um, yeah, just double tick all the details if they want to uh, want to jump on in and, and grab a last minute ticket because there's still some some it's, tickets left. Yeah, it's it's reaching. You know, it's it's something that we're kind of proud of. It's reaching to a point where it's capacity, and I think there's only. You know, I can count on both hands on the tickets there's left. So that's you know, that's a good thing, especially for for it being our first kind of yeah event. So, but to those people kind of want to join in the conversation at, at the end of the show, I'll tell them how to kind of if they can't go to the conference, they can join in on the online world as well. Great, that's excellent. Okay. Now, uh, quite a bit going on in the uh, the old t- or the the new, the current, and the tech world. Yes, however you want to call it. <laughs> um, this week. Apple and uh, and Samsung seem to have sort of um, lock horns. <laughs> well, they have been for a little while, haven't they? And uh, the the uh, the court case that um, where Apple started uh, suing Samsung and Samsung sort of was suing them back um, has drawn to uh, some sort of conclusion. Although there, there's always you know future phases to these things, right? Uh, and uh, this was, you know, the, the the judges in silence said, hey, you guys should work out your own settlement rather than bringing this to a full trial and to a jury. Uh, but they didn't manage to do that, and so um, the jury have sided with Apple uh, and have said that Samsung have to pay them uh, a billion US dollars, uh, and now Apple are working to uh, get a bunch of, um, you know, devices, uh, smartphones and so on uh, pulled off the market um, from Samsung in the US. This is pretty huge, isn't it? Uh, it's. <laughs> I didn't think I honestly thought it would be. I, yeah, been. I'm a big Samsung fanboy. I've got pretty much everything Samsung. Um, not on purpose, but they just seem to run really, really good stuff. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm amazed that they they took it out. And I was reading a couple of um commentaries about, it and they said that there was something like a hundred and fifty, I think, or two hundred twenty pages of jury instructions. So it's just just too much stuff for a jury really to understand. That's what I thought, but what I want to know well, is... Well, also, the jury turned it around in three days, right? Which, mm. you know, how could you do that with 220 pages of of material? Mm. With, the, with this particular one, does that mean that now Samsung, any, well, all this technology that they're, they're pushing out, they're going to have to pay Apple a royalty, I assume, because they're using their, their patents? And it's I, d- I don't think so necessarily. Uh, I think this, you know, the, the billion pays back for any things that they've breached in the past, but... Yeah, remember the newer phones uh, aren't being at the, certainly at this stage um, targeted by Apple for uh, for being taken off the market. So we, you know, I heard a comment um, some time ago around the time the Galaxy S3 was was launched, um, suggesting that it was designed by lawyers. <laughs> uh, you know, with really the comment being that that you know they were making sure that there was nothing about. The uh, you know the 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 Galaxy S three that could get them in any sort of legal strife, mm. and it is a very different phone to uh, to the iPhone. That's for that's for sure. Uh, I don't know what what it, what's what's your take, John. What do you think about this? Does this make does this make sense, or could it be somewhat a reflection of the or you know who was on the jury? You know, if we're talking about a, a, U, a U.S. audience, I think this was in um, 
um, San Francisco, wasn't it? Yes, yes. Uh, the case, and uh, you know that that that's that's kind of the 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 home base for uh, for Apple, <laughs> and uh, and Apple uses maybe some sort of a um, a leaning more towards a um, a local company than uh, the one in in, in Korea. What do you think? You know, it's easy to kind of speculate, especially at this t- at this point in time. But I think at the end of the at the end of the day, I do not want to be in in Samsung shoes. You know, the other the other I think was yesterday night when I was turning on the news. You know, their stock went down like there's no tomorrow. So, you know, it's, it, the interesting thing about this whole thing is now because the ca- the can of worm is already open. It'll be interesting to see if there will be any more that's been opened and any, anyone will kind of open it because, hey, look, if Apple is doing this, are there any things that's out there that's not been kind of seen yet? So I think I think from a from a moving forward perspective, it'll be interesting to see how many more kind of dark areas in the tech world will it'll start to kind of pop up. So it's for me. I'm still trying to wrap my head around it because it's such an interesting case, you know. Like there was, like like Nate said, there's 200 pages of of legal stuff, and then straight away the decision was done like that, which is interesting. Yeah, it was interesting. It was very quick. One, you know, one one thing is that they they they're both uh, very innovative companies, yeah. and you know, both are very uh, design focused. I mean, that's a change that Samsung have made in mm. recent years. Apple was always, you know, from from early on, mm. very you know, with um, with Steve Jobs at the helm, was always a design led business, and the, and they continue to be so. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, I'm I'm fascinated to um, to see how this actually pans out over a bit of time and what it will actually mean for us in the areas where the two companies compete. So yeah, yeah at the moment they don't compete in the TV space directly. They're you know very different products. We've got the yeah. the Apple TV as a set top mm. box. We don't have a, a an actual TV from Apple, although there's been a lot of speculation about it. But you know smartphones and tablets is where they really cross over, mm. and yeah, you know, you've got to be. Um, you've got to give it to Apple that they really have led the way in both of those spaces in the uh, tablet and in the smartphone. But I guess you know the question is, with the world changing, what's it going to look like? You know, go, going forward. Now this is out of the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Samsung seem to be veering in a, in a slightly different direction. They're covering multiple operating systems with uh, you know Windows as well as Android. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's, I think, some uncharted waters ahead. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll keep watching that, and hopefully, there's not too many of these other sort of, um, you know, legal battles that that sort of, you know, t- potentially get in the way of innovation. But I also wonder uh, whether, in some ways, this inspires some innovation and fresh thinking, because you know, this <coughs> case was really about, um, you know, the the from Apple's perspective, certainly there. Uh, you know, they were going after uh, Samsung for trying to make products that, um, you know, looked like Apple products. So uh, if this inspires, you know, more new thinking of coming up with something that's different and, and, and fresh, which I, you know, I think we've already seen from Samsung uh, in other areas such as the S3, then it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing in those regards. What do you, What are your guys' thoughts in regards to competitors? Because now, because this is going on, there and then you've got you know 
you've got competitors who are in the background looking at this going, do they see this as an opportunity? Go, hey, let them battle it out. We'll try to claim their customers. Is that the right word to say? Do you think there's a, now there's that kind of small op, like doorway for them to kind of do something I about th- it? I think Apple and Samsung, I mean, they really are. They're the two leading smartphone manufacturers in the world. So I don't think that's about to change any any time any time uh, soon, mm. uh, but you know maybe maybe I guess there were, there were some comments because the uh, the focus was on uh, Samsung's Android handsets. And maybe that would open some sort of door for Windows. Mm. I personally uh, don't don't see quite the relevance of that in this particular case uh, because the under, the understanding is it's it's it's. Uh, you know, it's a different level. It's not a. It's not an operating system focus, and the things that were Apple like were the hardware, and an adjusted user interface that uh, Samsung had del- delivered, rather than uh, than than the native Android one. So I don't know. We'll 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 see. Unless you got any thoughts on that, Nate? Um, I, I think it, it's good to force competitors to look at alternate things. The the first one that pops to mind is, is the you know Microsoft's new Metro interface. You've got. Apple, that's very much centric around icons, and you click an icon and get into it. You've got the Samsung model of of having widgets on your desktop, which is a very different uh, way of thinking to Metro as well. So I, I think it's nice to force competitors into rethinking how they present data, how they give a user experience, mm-hmm. and then consumers will inevitably go with the um, platform that works the best for them. Um, so yeah, no, I, I I'm pleased that I, I'm sort of pleased that computers are being forced to do other things differently. But I'm I'm yeah still sort of a bit on the fence with the whole Apple, mm. with Samsung um, losing against Apple. All right, now uh, moving on, local uh, local news. Uh, well, there's actually a couple of there's a couple of local things going on. First up, I want to jump in on uh, and talk about um, ultra fast broadband. Mm-hmm. And I've been promising for months to talk about what it's like to have ultra-fast broadband in your home. So hands up in the room if you've got UFB at home. Just me. <laughs> <laughs> How is it? Yes. It's pretty cool. So uh, so last Wednesday, uh, the chorus technicians came out and they started the install process. We actually had a, we had a couple of bumps, um, but by Friday evening it was all uh, all running. And the speed of my home internet connection, I had a pretty fast um, ADSL connection at home anyway, so I was getting, I was getting pretty good um, speeds, but the new connection with the, with the fibre uh, or ultra-fast broadband is phenomenal. UFB rocks. Wow. Uh, so I did, a little, I did a little test. I had a, um, uh, a download I needed to do from Apple. It was, uh, I think, 4.3 gigabytes. So I was I tried downloading that on my um, my existing connection and it was downloading about eighty uh, megabytes a minute worth of worth of data. So you know you could work that out. It was it was going to take um you know quite a while to down to download. Uh, and after I yeah had that started, I flicked it then across to the ultra fast uh, broadband connection, mm-hmm. and it went from downloading at eighty megabytes a minute to five hundred and eighty megabytes a minute. So for that uh, four point three gigabyte file, um, you know you're you're talking um, you know like eight eight minutes or something to um, to download. 
Uh, so yeah, not 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 too bad. <laughs> I remember when we used to do um, voice of IP installs back when we still had a phone system company. Um, the installs that were by far the easiest and most straightforward any companies that had fibre. You the latency was really low, so high latency and latency being the time taken to get from A to B. Um, kills VoIP because you obviously can't have a phone conversation if it takes the other person a second to reply. Um, Fibre was just is the Rolls Royce of internet connections. You really just can't get any better than that. All your services will run ridiculously fast. Um, but it, I suppose the the one thing is that your upstream does have to be quick. If you've got really quick speed from A to B, so you're from your home to your provider, but your provider hasn't got the infrastructure or the backhaul from there, um, it's your say interna- international browsing still going to be quite slow. Yeah, well, I'm with um, Vodafone on their trial, and I was really pleased with the speed. So I did a, a speed test within Auckland, and you know I was seeing uh, in some cases surpassing uh, 90 megabits a, a second uh, download speeds, uh, which is getting pretty close to the actual you know speed that that wire can deliver on a mm. 100 megabits uh, Ethernet uh, connection and upload speed of about uh, 40 megabits a second, um, or just a little bit over, so that was pretty impressive. What impressed me also was the uh, the international speeds, which uh, would, w- basically they, they would they would change varying on time of day and various other uh, things and which routers I was using, but uh, uh, between um, my home in the US, I was getting download speeds of up to 30 uh, megabits, uh, a second, and you know, sometimes they'd be slower, but they'd usually sit between that 15 and, and 30 megabits a second range, which is, is pretty good for uh, for US. So the one of the big benefits of that really is watching um, uh, streaming videos, so Netflix and so on. That Those services definitely st- are a real step up from what they were before. Um, just, just that extra clarity and detail on the picture is, is fantastic. So how does it actually terminate? So they connected it the um, chorus it's on your road and then chorus actually connected that last mile from the road into your actual premises how does it actually get from mm-hmm. the road to inside okay. your house well that, ve- that that varies so they started digging up my street I think in uh, in in late May and one side they had to dig up the other side already had all the you know most of the right bits and pieces in place so they didn't have the same sort of level of work to do uh, and you know effectively there was a little um um, tube that was uh, right by the uh, power pole outside the house and in this case what they do, did was they put a bit of fibre in from um, the terminal up the street what they call the FAT and it's just it's uh, the fibre access terminal and it's there's sort of like a manhole uh, you know there's a lid on it they open it up and they can hook, hook in at that point uh, and then they ran the fibre from there. And then in my case, uh, because everything runs with overhead power lines and overhead phone lines, they ran that up the uh, up the power pole and then across to the house. And at the same time, uh, they have to remove a... Um, if they, the uh, city council says that if they put a new fibre across, they have to remove an old uh, copper phone line. Uh, so they, they did that, but there are a few running into the house, so it didn't actually have a direct impact so I was still able to keep the old system and the new one up and running to to do a comparison and then that terminates um, on the outside of the house where there's the um, ETP do you know what that stands for? No idea. Well if you go to ufb.org.nz there's a little glossary page 
uh, and on there it will tell you what all these um, all these little techy terms is to do with um, to do with ultra fast broadband. So once so once it's on the outside of your house, it so they t- I assume they take that that glass strand, they polish the end, plug it into a terminator. Yes, yeah, so they um, so that that connects on the outside of the um, house on the um, uh, on the ETP, and then uh, they connect that through into um, in inside the house, and at at that point is where um, uh, sorry I've forgotten the term of the uh, of the in of the internal connection. It is someone remind me. No, okay, it'll come to me in a minute. Um, so that that terminates in, inside the uh, inside the house, and from there, then uh, there's a um, uh, a box from uh, Chorus. In in my case, being in the Auckland area, but it depends on which region you're in, and then that's linked to a router. Uh, so in this case, the router was supplied uh, by uh, by Vodafone. So they pr- provided a um, a Cisco router in this case to uh, to connect to. So then, with the Cisco router, you just plug it into it, that would be the, then your main gateway for your network, and you plug your switch and all that other stuff into it. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Was it? Do you get much of a? Can you dictate where on the house outside that chorus terminate or the fiber comes in, or do they? Is there? A, how do they actually work out where that that? Because I'm thinking the, the ETP, uh, which is the um, external termination point. Uh, is usually where your existing copper cabling um, terminates on the outside of the house. Yep. Uh, but that that can well, in my case, that was that was the situation. That doesn't. I don't think it always has to be that. Uh, you know, there probably varies according to your situation on on whether that's the case, or you could maybe choose somewhere a little bit different. Yeah. Because I'm just thinking, if you if that termination point was on the front of your house, and at the moment the main phone sockets at the back of the house and you've got this amazing fiber connection and a really slow wireless because it's the only way to get the the network to where the rest of the computer is completely destroying the whole purpose so i was just wondering if it's if it's able to be able to put it probably doesn't matter where where that goes because you can run you know you can run a cable inside the house to any point to to plug your router and so on into if you want to um so in inside the house that um that etp is wired up to um the o ONT or the optical network terminal. Uh, that's what uh, Chorus are providing at the moment, and so that has a fibre connection straight into it. Uh, and then from there, you've got connections out for router and other things, which is just normal sort of network cabling that we're all familiar with. So with and with fibre too, you've you know you could potentially move all your Gorilla hosted infrastructure to your home, couldn't you? Um, and fall asleep to the gentle hum of the switch. There's all and sorts. Sure. There's all sorts of possibilities, but it is quite cool having a uh, having a connection at home that is better than um, ninety nine. According to the speed tests I ran, my speeds are better than ninety nine percent of um, internet connections in New Zealand, which is not surprising at all. So that you know, so you know, better than um, than certainly what most small to medium businesses in New Zealand have. So. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. How many IP addresses do you get with it? Uh, you just get one, I believe. But there'd be, assuming because it's fiber, there'd be the potential you could have a few IP addresses, so you could have a few 
devices that if you need them externally available you could do that too i think there are there are ways of doing that that'll come down to the providers usually with the lower cost plans that usually means you've only got one ip address yep. um, but uh, technically it's feasible to have more than one uh, to be connected to more than one retail service provider or internet service provider so if we look at the um, uh, the ONT that um, Chorus are providing, there's four ports on the back uh, as well as two uh, voice ports. So potentially could have uh, a video service provider like, well, let's say Sky decided that they were going to use this to deliver service rather than satellite. Uh, so they could have one of those ports uh, that provides a video service. And, you know, another one could be with, um, say, Vodafone or you could even have multiple, you know, you could have a connection with Vodafone uh, connection with Orcon, connection with WorldNet, yeah, et cetera. That's pretty so, cool. Um, I haven't looked into that too heavily yet. I think it seems like the Chorus guys are really, really, f- you know, flat out at the moment because they're, despite what, what we've heard in some of the media, um, there are pretty big waiting times to actually, for those houses where um, the cables have come past, there's waiting times to actually get installed because... Uh, the demand is really starting to ramp up now and there is an audience that is really keen to get ultra-fast broadband and uh, I can certainly understand why. See, from a, you know, from, from a consumer's perspective, how do they, I think this is, this is what interests me, how do they pick which suburb to go into first? Is it, how do they kind of know, hey, we're going to go Ponsonby first, Parnell, how about you know, the, the ones that lives in West Auckland? Or, yeah, how do they sort that out do you, do you have any insights in regards um, to that it's prob- probably something to ask Chorus or, yeah. or Crown Fiber. we may have had some discussion <coughs> on it in the past but mm. the um, I think what, what we've heard is the focus is really around um, the commercial results and, and education and hospitals so that's the sort of the focus is on you know business yep. schools and, and, and um, you know healthcare uh, so there's a you know there is a really strong focus in those areas, but then there are also some uh, residential uh, areas that have you know that are happening fairly early on in the yep. piece as well, yep. and uh, you know that, that all of the providers w- want to get this stuff rolled out as quick as they can because as soon as it's in they can start making revenue from it. Okay. Uh, so we're seeing certainly the smaller um, the smaller ones. Uh, you know, areas like Whangarei is, uh, is all done or, 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 or getting quite close to it. Yeah. Um, that, that's under uh, North Power that got that contract. So, yeah. so um, you know, there are some areas that are, uh, that are very well progressed like that. Um, but Chorus has the majority of the country to do. So they've got a huge amount of work to do and, yeah. and new workforce to hire and so on. Um, Isn't there like a date that was, I think I saw it recently in an article that I think by 2016 or something. I'm not too sure of the date. You know, uh, well, 2020, I think, is when it's all um, supposed to be, uh, you know, it's all supposed to be finished. Okay. Um, I did read a uh, piece yesterday in an Australian uh, publication indicating that at uh, mid, mid this year, New Zealand was ahead of Australia in terms of rollouts because they're launching their equivalent uh, of the ultra-fast broadband network, um, the, the NBN. Yeah. And... Um, and, uh, yeah, we'd actually done more, but by mid-next year, they would be ahead and would have done more. But, you know, considering their budgets, uh, uh, you know, the government's putting in about $44 billion, and our government's putting in $1.5 billion. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought that that was some pretty good, uh, you know, pretty good results that, you know, that, that they've managed to get this stuff moving 
and they're getting it out at a you know what seems to be a a, a, um, a, reasonable. a reasonable sort of you know yeah. pace. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of opinions on what is and isn't a good uh, a good pace for getting it out. But you know, every um, you know, every few weeks we're hearing of you know little little um, new areas that have been turned on. I know they've just started in. Uh, uh, Nelson, uh, Richmond area there, uh, mm. I think in the last week or so. Uh, um, Invercargill, <coughs> other areas are starting to get plugged in. So it's not, you know, it's not just Auckland, for instance, it's getting it. It's, you know, we're starting to see a bunch of areas all around the country where, um, yeah. where the ultra-fast broadband is being rolled out. I think the most interesting thing about this is that it will be, it'll be great to kind of get one of those um, businesses or individuals that lives out there to get their thoughts on it because you know for us we you know for us city slickers will be you know we everything is mostly first world problems <laughs> but it'll be interesting to hear someone that are, that is not used to you know something that's a fast bro- uh, you know ultra fast broadband and then get their thoughts and how they ch- has changed things so i think that will be the interesting, I think, for me personally to kind of see what the stories will come out of your, you know, your Whangarei's, your Nelson, you know, even like just the little towns that are out there in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, well, it certainly opens up uh, opens up communications and uh, and business opportunities in in some of those areas. And uh, yeah, I'm familiar with it, uh, one of the situations in Northland at the moment, where uh, you know we're a not-for-profit organisation uh, is going to be able to really leverage uh, having access to this technology, and you know, for for their organisation that they wouldn't have been able to do previously without this type of connection. Uh, so yeah, definitely some uh, some good good stuff happening. Uh, now, Chorus, who of course have got the majority of the uh, the contract for the ultra-fast broadband, uh, they just announced some. Uh, financial results, $102 million uh, profit. It's not, not too shabby. Uh, <laughs> after they've split off from Telecom, I think, uh, seven months ago. So that's their initial uh, uh, initial things. But, um, yeah, they seem to be getting a fair bit of uh, press at the moment, and it, it looks like they're really keen to uh, uh, to push the uptake of the ultra-fast broadband, which which makes sense because they're spending, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, you know, to, to roll this out, obviously, with a lot of... Um, uh, support from um, from the government through Crown Fibre, uh, but um, yeah, I guess uh, positive for those that have uh, that are sitting on a few shares. Yeah, uh, which includes, of course, uh, Paul Reynolds, who's uh, left Telecom recently, and uh, the news today was that uh, he walked away with about uh, ten uh, about ten million. Not too bad. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, but not. Also, not also, p- probably worth pointing out that he was the CEO of the largest teleco in the country and the largest ISP. And I, I don't know, I always get a little bit wary when you see media reports complaining about how much they get paid. It's like the responsibility they've got and yeah. the ability for them to make a decision that could completely bankrupt the company is quite easy to do. So I, I do feel that someone in that position should be well um, reimbursed not reimbursed, but whatever you want to call it. Yeah, paid. no, th- absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think that they could, you know, somebody in that position could make a $100 million decision or, you know, lead the company in a in a direction that's usually far in excess of what they get paid. So, hmm. um, yeah, no, it's, that's interesting. Having said that, I wouldn't mind $10 million myself, so that'd be nice. Yeah, well, there aren't too many people in the country that are earning that sort of uh, coin. No. Uh, now, other um, other tech stuff. Robots. We haven't talked about robots for a little while. I think I probably generated this one from my just 
I, in my day job, I'm a um, developer, and I think the classic adage of a good uh, developer. A software developer rather than a... Um, not a property developer. No, yeah. I don't have that. <laughs> I'll, I'll just clarify that. Don't have that much money, and, and don't, uh, aren't that, I'm not that overcommitted with finances, most of them are. Uh, well, a lot of developers don't have much money either. No, that's the truth. Um, <laughs> so, a good programmer, everyone knows that's in the industry. Um, we're a very, very lazy breed, and that makes good software if you're very lazy. So... Um, I've had my heart set on buying a Roomba for a long time and for anyone who doesn't know what a Roomba is, it's a Amazing. circular disc <laughs> thing that pretty much vacuums your house. Um, a it, robotic vacuum cleaner. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's, it goes out, it can, um, I've been quite a bit of reading which is quite embarrassing. Um, so it can not only, it does all these sort of weird patterns to, to keep the house clean but when it starts to go flat it actually goes back to its stocking station and redocks itself. Um, the only thing I know it doesn't do is it, it's got no mechanism to empty itself which I thought was, it's sort of your... 90% of the way there why not go the rest I'm sure you can figure <laughs> out a way for it to empty itself but never mind it can go back redock itself and um, yeah after it's finished cleaning and there's a few um, people that have actually hacked them to do all sorts of crazy things and my mind's just got blank about any examples but yeah sort of taking the room but <laughs> ridiculously next level well they have um, they have cameras and so on to guide them around and infrared and that sort of stuff right mm. and there's a lot of variations on the technology I mean, the Roomba comes, um, or Roomba, uh, comes from iRobot, doesn't it? That's one. Which is also the name of a uh, particular uh, movie where the robots go a bit... Uh, crazy. A bit crazy. Psycho. <laughs> so, um, should we be scared about this company, iRobot? Maybe. Well, as long as there's a Will Smith out there to save us, we'll be fine, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, the interesting thing is iRobot, as well as making the Roomba, they also do a lot of military... Uh, robot stuff so they're an interesting company to look up if you want to go online and have a look uh, quite quite fascinating and i think you know they'd probably make a pretty large percentage of their revenue yeah. from what they do in in the military space or they're certainly hoping to uh, but from what i can see the products don't quite match up with what we've seen in the movies um very tony stark isn't it yeah <laughs> um well yeah not quite yet but who knows what's going on in the background? Hey, who knows what the CEO, you know, does in his spare time? <laughs> oh, so uh, that's what I saw in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the interesting um, news in the last few days is um, that Honda have uh, have jumped in with a um, a new product. The if I pronounce it right, the uh, Mimo which is a robotic lawnmower. Now a few of these have been around for a while, and they work in the in a to some degree, a similar fashion to what Nate was describing with the um, ro robotic vacuum cleaners, but um, obviously, <laughs> obviously, with a bit more caution, they're outside, and uh, and I think um, some more you know, parameters around where they're where they're allowed to go and what they're allowed to run over, because um, they're um, the danger factor between a vacuum cleaner and a uh, lawnmower. There's yeah, some sort of variation there. I'm assuming too that the the coverage pattern of a a, robo a robotic um, lawnmower is going to be probably the traditional quarter acre section nice and flat and, and reasonably straightforward it's probably not going to be able to do sort of mountainous hills and all that sort of stuff uh, I think they're, they're more designed for the um, for the more and you know industrial sort of we got bigger bigger size spaces mm -hmm. uh, but um, I have I haven't um, I haven't been offered one yet to uh, to play with so um, yeah we will, we will see. So if there's any um, robot manufacturers out there that would like to uh, fire their um, gadgets at us, um, 
you know how to get a, get hold of us. And my house is really dirty, so I'd more than appreciate it. From <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right. Um, so that's that's a good bit of gadget news. Uh, now, VMob. That's a New Zealand company. That's um, they've just managed to get themselves onto the um, the NZAX onto um, uh, stock exchange. There, um, have you guys come come across VMob? Uh, they're known for their uh, voucher mob um, product in New Zealand, um, which is sort of a mobile um, electronic vouchers, and they're uh, they're working to uh, to get into big international markets like Indonesia, where there's a, a lot of um, a lot of mobile users. I suppose I've got a lot of opinion about not picking on voucher mob specifically, but this whole the whole sort of um, deal? voucher deal site thing. Yeah. Um, what is about it? Like, is it because it's kind of like hey, hey, nice to meet you, see ya, kind of thing, or is it do you prefer more of a a loyalty scheme? Like, hey, we love your customer service, please come back. Yeah, I so well for. So I um, also have a, a cafe in central Auckland, which yeah. um, keeps us very, very busy. Um, so I've done a fair bit of experimentation with, with vouchers and everything. And and this is my experience, so I'm, I'm sure that other industries and other people have probably had different um, experiences. But for us anyway, vouchers tend to bring in a very transient audience. So um, let's say if we did a grab one deal where you get, say, a free coffee, um, we we could sell potentially 500 of them. But the percentage of people that uh, would come back after using that coffee, which is the whole, the whole real idea around the vouchers is to get people in the door, get them to experience your sort of, you know, the atmosphere, what your staff like and, and all that sort of stuff and get them to hang around and then hopefully come back and actually buy stuff that makes you money. In my experience, you get a very transient audience who will come and use that voucher. Um, I, I remember even having an experience where we sold a voucher to a particular value. So you paid... Mm. I think ours was, you got $25 worth of value for um, $10. We were seeing this ridiculous thing where people would actually adjust the order to get exactly 25 They wouldn't spend a dollar over or a dollar less. It was really crazy. They'd stand there and, and work out exactly what $25 was. And so, no, it, it didn't really work for us. So so, I, you're, so you're saying you potentially end up with the cheapskates that are kind of just looking for the, for the, for the, for the deal rather than those people that... Um, you know, just happened across it. They're they're likely to just keep coming back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you tend to cannibalise, I think, too. Your regulars, like one of the biggest part of what we do is our regulars. You have to look after them and make sure they're happy because they keep mm-hmm. coming back to you. So you've got that real danger that if let's say you're doing a free coffee special, that the regulars who spend a lot of money with you on coffee find it, yeah. stock up on these vouchers, yeah. and then your um, revenue stream with them too will drop. Um, and there's also a, a sort of um, physicality thing too is that most of our customers don't have smartphones. So mm. it's really nice saying that we can cut down on paper and it's really cool because we can send vouchers to customers and stuff. But from what I've seen, most of our customers don't have smartphone um, smartphones. So it's really nice in the sort of techie and, and geeky side, everyone has their smartphones and tablets and everything. But your average Joe Blogs, in my experience, and for hospitality customers... Some of them still have the dirty old little Nokias, that, <laughs> that, the little screens. That's going to change pretty quickly, though, isn't it? I mean, the numbers we're seeing is the cost of smartphones is going down, 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 down. And your what was a cheap little uh, Nokia, it, you know, even the cheaper Nokias now, are, you know, they're, they're not quite a full-blown smartphone, but they're getting pretty smart in terms of the capabilities. And certainly, you know, at the three or $400 price point, which, you know, once every smartphone was more than that, 
um, you know, you are getting some pretty powerful smartphones. So it won't be too long probably before um, the majority of your customers are smartphone users. But you're addressing that, right? You've got some, uh, you've got some quite good mobile capabilities with being able to order over Twitter, uh, order over text message, so any smartphone can order, right? Yeah. So we... The computer world did a bit of a profile about me about the some custom stuff we've got running where you can order via Twitter direct message or you can email us or you can text us. And I've had a few customers ask me why because we've got a, a mobile app sort of sitting in the background that we need to finish off and get up and going. And I've said, why don't you hurry up and get that going or why don't you do that before text? And it, it comes back to that original argument that I've got where, yeah, our, our good customers and the customers that use us all the time um, don't have smartphones, so there's no point in building this really amazing smartphone app if no one's got the platform that it will run on. And they're happy just to send a text anyway. It's just just as quick, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, I, I think a successful, uh, I, I don't think businesses, well, hospitality businesses anyway, should rely on vouchers. I think it needs to be a, a, a planned attack of not only vouchers, but also a really good loyalty system that rewards mm. your regular customers as well. And again, this is all what I've experimented with um, other businesses may find it could be completely different. No, uh, just to kind of picking up on that, completely agree, um, because I think deals and vouchers, it has that bad kind of brand awareness. It, you know, it depends on what sort of company put themselves out there because it could easily, for consumers, it means that, oh, you really need to get your products out there. Is it me- Does it mean that you're not making profit? You know, so I, I just think that deals website, it's great, but it's just depending on how you, how a business kind of sell their products on it. And if they are using it as a way to get more customers, then that makes sense. But if they're doing it purely just as a revolving door, which is you come in and go out, then, you know, for a brand, which is great, but at the same time for the longevity of that brand is not that great. So, yeah. yeah so, Good points. Um, now, just jumping across in a completely different direction, uh, not really, actually. Bit of a segue. Um, smartphones and mobile phones, there hasn't been probably too much activity over the last few weeks, but it's, it's sort of start, starting to ramp up, So, um, and tablets as well. So we've got um, Samsung launching their Galaxy Note uh, 10.1, I think, uh, this week. Yep, can't wait to get my hands on one. So <laughs> we're looking forward to having a hands-on uh, on that one to um, to have a bit of a play with. So we'll report back on that one soon. Um, also on the Android front, uh, Telecom have recently launched the uh, Motorola Defy XT, which is a little bit of a different sort of smartphone. It's not sort of really high-end in features, but it's all about being um, being tough and being um, uh, dust-proof and to waterproof to a degree as as well. So it's got little stoppers to go and where you plug your headphones and your charger and those things so um, you can really lock the phone down so um, you know it hopefully doesn't get uh, get damaged if you you know working out in the rain and and doing those sorts of things so um, you're checking your phone in the shower yeah exactly exactly isn't that what we all do oh, actually yes. I've never ever thought of that but That's um, an idea for you you could be super efficient that right? would be one way of reviewing it is to see just how well it works in the shower. Fair enough. If there's a Roomba, then I'm sure there's a place for this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I've just been having a look at that. Um, as I say, not really a particularly high-end smartphone. It's got a 5-megapixel camera um, and, yeah, older version of um, Android uh, running uh, Gingerbread. Uh, and it's um, 599, but I'm sure there's definitely a market a market out there for it. But it's probably a, you know, a smaller percentage of the audience. But I think this is one of the nice things about... 
um, the variety we've got, the number of uh, manufacturers in the mobile space now that are making uh, devices, that there's room for these sort of unique uh, phones, mm. which if we say look to, um, you know, say the simplicity of what uh, Apple like to do, which is not to have too broad a range of products, you know, if we didn't have uh, so much competitiveness, then a product like this I don't think would come onto the market. Uh, but there is there is room for uh, vendors like uh, Motorola to come out with this sort of you know quite a unique uh, smartphone into the into the market, and I, and I think it's uh, it's good to see. Uh, other uh, other bits coming through, of course, um, September we're hearing about an iPhone five, uh, Windows phone announcement from uh, Nokia and Microsoft. Uh, no doubt there will be some Android announcements next month too. They they seem to be they coming thick and fast. Uh, and October is the rumored um, launch for an iPad Mini. Now we've discussed this a few times in the past, um, but the reports seem to be more and more pushing in this direction. Nate, have you changed your opinion? Do you think an iPad Mini is coming, or are you still uh, sitting on the other side of the, the the fence? You don't think it's actually such a thing exists, nah. and that Apple will uh, will not bother with a with a smaller iPad. No, I'd, Apple has the reputation that they don't lead, they follow. Uh, sorry, they don't follow, they lead I mean, the other way around. Um, no, I, I don't think they'll follow the other manufacturers. Um, yeah, I, I reckon they'll stay to their... They've not sort of deviated away from the, the current sizing. I don't think this is going to be the time that they will. Could be completely wrong. As you know, not an amazing... I don't actually own any Apple hardware, so probably one of the worst people to ask. However, from my sort of looking in from the outside, no, I don't think they'll change. Although, John, John, with your sticker sticker laden uh, MacBook Pro, there, what's uh, <laughs> what's your thought? What I just I just can't you know from a from a usability perspective, you've got the iPad and you've got the Mini. I understand that you've you know when it comes to the iPod, you got the iPod Mini, which makes sense. You know when you go running. You don't want a big chunky thing that's you know hanging from your pocket, but from an iPad Mini, it just you know from from an Apple perspective, it doesn't make sense. And then when they design something, it always makes sense. It always they always lead on a story on how it, it will improve your life. And then by having an iPad Mini, unless they can think of something I'm not thinking right now, then you know kudos to them. But I just don't see how it could improve my life what what i'm doing right now so i yeah it it's basically doing the same thing but i'm just i'm just thinking outside the box what how it could fit within my life when is the time where i need to go oh i don't want to pick up my ipad i want to pick up my ipad mini so i'm just i'm just i'm just kind of looking from that perspective so if they do then i look forward to tim cook explaining why we need this in our life yeah, yeah, that'll be. That's actually a. That's an interesting point. Yeah, yeah. So because every time when we always question an Apple product that we are not sure of, they've always got something that makes you want to have tears in your eyes. Because oh my goodness, why have you? You've just you know you just kind of made my life so much easier. So that's why I enjoy watching. You know when when the video becomes available, I just I enjoy the way how they explain how it will improve your life even better because that is the part that I think Apple is great at it, which is the reason. 
So if they like if they do manage to come up with an iPad Mini, then I look forward to that story. So that that raises for me a question: What do you think comes first, the product or the story? The story. Like for me, it's the story because no. What What do you think Apple start with though? Do they design a product and yeah. then come up with a story that makes you makes everyone cry? Yeah. Or do they come up with a story that makes everyone cry and <laughs> and then come up with a product uh. that uh, that meets that? Cool. That's a real interesting call. Food for thought. Food for thought. Um, okay. Now next week we've got Microsoft TechEd, so that's uh, that's just a few days out as well. So uh, Project Revolution end of this week, then next week kicks in with uh, with Microsoft TechEd. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's our our closest events. Um, one more one more uh, product that I did want to cover off that I haven't had a chance to in the last few weeks. We talked uh, a bit in the past about um, Bluetooth units for phones and particularly Bluetooth um, stereos, uh, car stereos for the car. And this is something that I've, I've, um, I've found is a real big leap up from having one of those little Bluetooth um, uh, units that you, you, know, you attach onto your sun visor is actually having uh, a car stereo that does the whole Bluetooth function. Mm. And the the reason why I started looking at these these products is just the the sheer simplicity of them to use. So uh, with the little uh, ones that go onto the the visor, uh, you know, if you park too close to your house and you're in the house and it's still getting picked up on the, um, you know, on your your Bluetooth unit, if or 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 you uh, have to get into the habit of remembering to turn it off. Uh, and it doesn't really integrate if you're listening to music on your stereo and, and so on. So um, I've found that the Bluetooth uh, car stereos are just fantastic. You can listen in to podcasts or radio or whatever, and uh, you know it'll pause or stop those if a call comes in. Uh, and depending on what mobile platform you're on, you know, it may be able to do things like reading out your text messages and so on. So um, I tried out um, last year um, one of the Sony products, and that 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 was really good. Um, but at CES, uh, JVC announced their new one, which was the KDX 50BT. Uh, this retails here in New Zealand for about 350, but um, I've seen them out there for for as low as 250 dollars. And this is a pretty powerful um, stereo head deck. The reason they've been able to bring the price down for such good functionality is they've actually dropped the um, CD player out of the head deck, so all your um, you know all your audio really is is coming straight through off the phone, or there's still a radio tuner uh, and so on in there as well. And I've been really really impressed with this JVC um, JVC deck. Mm. Um, the and it includes a microphone as well, which a lot of the other ones you've got to. Um, you know, you've got to spend maybe another fifty dollars to get a, uh, a microphone to you know to wire up um, as well to get that sort of best uh, best quality sound. So um, yeah, not um, not too bad. I'm sure there'll be much higher price point ones, but just at a sort of a basic level, uh, this one seems to be fine for me. And those that are just you know wanting to get a stereo head deck, it's well worth um, it's well worth looking at one of those for um, for your car. So I've got the. Uh, I've got a Pioneer Bluetooth head unit, which I pay quite a bit of money for. I'm a big, not a big car fan, but car audio, um, if I could choose anything out of a car, I would always install a really nice stereo system, which I have in my car. Well, you're much more of an audio father than me, aren't you? Yes. Um, and having, you know, all the reasons that you've said about having uh, the integrated Bluetooth is, you know, I agree with every um, reason Paul said 
um, another nice thing which you didn't cover was the fact that you've got a microphone and the fact you can keep the the phone in your pocket. Um, My one supports that you can upload your phone book to the unit. Yeah, so likewise, it, it's great. I think you can support 200. It's not many numbers, so maybe 200 odd numbers. Um, but the nice thing is that when my phone rings and if it if the numbers in the head unit will pop up with their name and I can either accept or decline the call directly off the head unit and it pauses music. And so if you haven't got one and you're looking at upgrading um, your head unit in your car, I highly, highly recommend getting one that is um, Bluetooth supported. And interesting you're talking about them dropping CD player support. I would happily use my stereo without even radio because um, all I listen to is uh, USB. So I just, one thing, one device I would like to be able USB? to... USB? Yeah, so I so, plug, so do you actually plug it in rather than just do over Bluetooth? Yeah, because okay. um, you get better sound. I, I get better sound, and, and I'm having some trouble with my um, S2 at the moment, so it's not the best for keeping a um, Bluetooth connection up. Um, it would be nice if um, you know you could have a little unit in your car where, as soon as you pull into your driver and it gets Wi-Fi coverage, it would somehow you know synchronize your libraries between your desktop and your um, head unit. That would be really cool. Um, but I'm, I'm sure the higher end head units will probably get it. I don't think you. I personally don't think you need that because the storage is all in the phone, and your whole you know library comes with with your phone and theory and what and access to what's in the cloud, you know, is obviously opening up more and more. Um, but I yeah, I guess if you had a big enough storage, and they've also got you know USB connections in them too, right? So you can plug in a thumb drive with, you know, a whole um whole you know huge amount of music mm. or, or or podcasts um so the w what i do is i i when i'm driving around instead of listening to the radio like i once did i'll be listening to podcasts that have synchronized on my phone overnight uh and i mean i've used the galaxy s3 and I've, you know i try lots of different phones as well throughout the year um but i but one thing i really enjoy about my windows phone that i'm using at the moment is that it does a really good job of synchronizing all that content um, down in terms of podcasts overnight. So I jump in the car in the morning, I've got new podcasts to listen to. Uh, and the other thing it does, which still seems to be uh, reasonably unique, even though we've got Siri and uh, we've got voice recognition uh, in the Galaxy S3 and a number of the other uh, Android smartphones, is if I'm listening to something and a text message comes in, it'll say pause that, that podcast or it'll stop the radio and it tells me I've got a text message, offers to read it out. It'll read the text message out to me and then it will uh, give me the opportunity to reply uh, while I'm driving, while my hands are still on the wheel, my phone's still in my pocket, I can do a short reply to a message and it will send that reply back without having, you know, to, uh, mm. um, you know, be dangerous and pull the phone out and be texting while while driving. So I can actually text while driving um, using that capability quite safely. Uh, so yeah, that's that's one of the cool um, cool little features. Thinking of head units, I was looking. So I'm a deviating a little bit. I'm a massive fan of Spotify. I love Spotify. I listen to it at work all the time and, and at home. Mm. And I was looking for a um, native bit of hardware that I could just have at home that would I could plug into the stereo and it would just work. Um, it's in the states, I've actually got head units that natively support Spotify. So you put a SIM card into the head unit. And you can run Spotify off your head unit. And obviously the data plans are unlimited data for mm. nothing a month. So you could be running Spotify off your head unit and just driving around listening to it, streaming. I just think it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, one thing that I missed um, on my last trip to the States was uh, that was scheduled in, but I, in, the, in the end um, I had to cancel it, was a session to uh, visit to um, Ford's Research and Development Center that they've recently opened in, uh, in Silicon Valley. 
And uh, Ford are now talking about the car as being a platform in the same way we talk about a you know a PC or an iPhone or a tablet as a you know a platform that you develop software for. And so that's why they've set up in Silicon Valley. And uh, there's all these apps and things that you can run for your car. Uh, and of course, that you know it ties into the the um, uh, various elements of the car. But they have Spotify app and you know all sorts of apps and so on now um, that uh, that you're able to run. And they're really trying to encourage that sort of development. So uh, you know it's heading in that direction where. You know, and this, we used to start out with, say, you'd use a smartphone and you'd access something off the web, and then we came with apps on the phone. Uh, now those apps could be uh, could be in the car, so you'll jump in the car and uh, it'll have pe- smarts to do all sorts of cool stuff. So more people will be spending time on the road, <laughs> driving all the way to Hamilton for no reason. <laughs> just, right. it. just just to use the app in their <laughs> just car. Just road trip it, just to, yeah, yeah listen. <laughs> well, I... Uh, I don't know about that. I guess uh, we've we've got to hope that the technology keeps getting uh, keeps getting better across the board with cars, um, but probably not uh, not nearer that we like. Well, we're seeing a whole lot of development from uh, in New Zealand, are we? There's not too much that happens really here, um, car wise, um, other than. Um, there's a car and. Uh, marine audio specialist mm. out of Auckland. Anyone remember the name? Fusion. Fusion Audio. Yeah. Yeah, so those guys are doing some cool stuff. I saw them at um, uh, Consumer Electronics Show as well. So they seem to be getting out and uh, and exporting globally and competing a lot against the likes of the Pioneers and, and Sonys and so on. So um, it, it's good to... Uh, see a little bit of New Zealand action on the international market, but um, yeah, I don't think we've got any uh, immediate uh, car launches coming out of um, out of here. Although that would be kind of cool. Other than um, who are the guys that do the um, the car that goes on the water? Um. Sorry, I've dropped <coughs> dropped you guys, and I've completely forgotten the name. I'm um, looking at you blankly going, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, more cool technology out of New Zealand. So there's pretty much a bit of everything coming out of this country. Love it. Well, well I think that's probably uh, that's probably us for this week. I think we've uh, we've filled our lot of time with all sorts of uh, chit-chat. Hope everyone uh, listening in has, uh, has learned something. And uh, if you are about at any of those conferences um, that are coming up, please come and, come and say hi. Uh, and uh, look out for us online. Um, Nate, where do we find you online? Uh, I blog pretty much all the time on GeekZone, so just go to the front of geekzone.co.nz or on Twitter, just at Nate. And John? Well, the the easiest point of connection with me is at I am John Lai. You can't go wrong with that. You just love Twitter, don't you? I, I don't know. It's, it's just so easy. <laughs> I just love it. Awesome. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Paul Spain. Um, and like Nate, I uh, I blog on uh, on on Geek Zone from uh, from time to time uh, with my TechJungle.com uh, blog. Um, oh, and also a point uh, we were talking about UFB earlier. Um, we have expanded what was a one page uh, bit of info around uh, the different um, ultra fast broadband. Um, uh, options and, and pricing from the NZ Tech podcast site that's now set up on a standalone site uh, ufb.org.nz so feel free to have a look there if you're interested in uh, in finding out a little bit more about ultrafast broadband 
Um, and of course, you can find the NZ Tech Podcast online, uh, nztechpodcast.com, and we're also NZ Tech Podcast on Twitter and on uh, on Facebook. Hey, thanks everyone for listening. Catch you next week. Thank you. See ya. 